Hey you, how are you? I hope you're doing well. I hope you are enjoying your day, your week, your month, and your year. Um, We are very quickly approaching the end of the first quarter of 2023. And yeah, a lot has happened. A lot is happening and a lot is going to happen. Um, It's a good time to take a look at your list those things you wrote down that you are looking for the Lord to help you do and for you to to do um um yeah it's a good time to look at that list and say hey what am I doing right what am I not doing at all what do I need to tweak etc etc because time is not playing with us um yeah I hope you are I hope you all are well and I hope those of us that are in the U.S. are withstanding allergy season man pollen likes to be a beast um but yeah my prayer is that you guys are doing okay um I pray I'm doing okay hello um but yeah praise God for a wonderful um first quarter and you know looking forward to the second the beginning of the second quarter in April April is also a very special month for me my birthday is in April and yeah this is a really special birthday so yeah we don't need to talk about that yet um but yeah I'm looking forward to the second quarter of this year we have been talking about waiting and so last week we talked about waiting and we looked at um, Mark chapter 5 and so we were talking about Jay Iris and his daughter and and the 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 intro story as well you know gave us a little um introduction into that story but we walked away from last episode with three three things to keep in mind as you're waiting remembering that we are all waiting all of us are waiting like legit all of us the bible says that all of creation is groaning awaiting um the revelation of the sons of men all of creation so so it's not even just human beings right I think it's easy for us to say okay all people are waiting which is what I've been saying I said it last episode and I'm saying it again every single person that you've met whether rich or poor old or young um um affluent or not um class classy or classless whatever whoever whatever kind of person we are all waiting for something um because you know the 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 need to wait doesn't always have to do with whether or not you have the means to not wait. Now, are there people who, you know, can pay themselves out of waiting? Of course, but not out of waiting for everything. For example, you know, if you get pregnant, I don't care if you're a millionaire or you are lacking a house, as in, you know, you are homeless. It doesn't matter. You're going to wait nine months um, or so for the birth of that baby. Do you see what I'm saying? And so some waiting does not have anything to do with what you have or what you don't have. Um, so all of us are waiting for something. But I love how the Bible tells us that all of creation is groaning and waiting. And so even flowers and trees and, and pigs and cows and horses And everything you can think of that is creation is actually waiting as well. And so the need to know how to wait is so, so important. Obviously, I mean, pigs and cows have no choice, right? They just wait because they have to. Um, And to, to be honest, so do we. But we have, because we have a connection with our creator, unlike that of animals, 
um, or or should, should I say lay animals, we have to know how to wait properly. And and if you um, if you get my emails, you saw how I went into talking about that scripture a little more. Um, if you are not on the email list, please go ahead and get on it. Um, if you would uh, follow me on Instagram at Ife Oyeleye or at Already In You, you will see the link. My link tree and um, joining the email list is one of the links uh, in the link tree. And so I would love for you to be able to get my emails. But yeah, so we w- we've been talking about waiting and we were looking at Iris and walking away from last episode. There were three things I wanted you to take away. Number one, handle pride. Handle pride because Jairus showed us how to humble ourselves before the Lord because of what we know we need and because of what we want. Um, Jairus did not say, I am a religious leader like you. You know, we are colleagues. We both have influence over the people, etc., etc. So, yeah, could you just come over and, and touch my daughter? That's not that's not. That's not the way he approached this thing. The Bible says that he bowed himself low and he did not, he prostrated. He didn't care about his, his kingly robes and, and, and his title and whether, you know, the people from his, his temple were going to see him and this, that, and the other. We don't get any indication that any of that mattered to him. He humbled himself and he asked the Lord to follow him. And the beautiful thing is that the Lord did. And the second thing that we looked at is J. Iris came to the Lord fully of fully assured that God was able to do what he wanted him to do. And it's so important that you have that standpoint, that you have that mindset as you're approaching the Lord in your waiting season. You have to be certain that God can do what you want him to do. Right. That's why the book of Hebrews tell us to come to the tells us to come to the throne of grace boldly that we may obtain. If you don't come, the Bible says that he that comes must first believe that he is and that he's a reward of them that is that diligently seek him. You have to first believe that God has the ability to do what you want him to do. Because if you don't, then not only do you not come, possibly, and we talked about that before when we were looking at who is God. If you don't, not only do you not come, but you don't come with the right mindset. You don't come with the right uh, uh, stance at all. You come wishy-washy. You come saying, mm, you probably could do this, but I'm not really sure. And and in your uncertainty, the likelihood that you will get the answer that you want is slim to none. Because the Lord is looking for people who, who put an expectation on him, right? Who say to him, Lord, you are capable, um, more than capable of doing this thing. And I'm coming to you asking, right? If I... It's just like me with my father, my earthly father. If I called him and he had the ability to do what I wanted him to do, why wouldn't he do it? But then if I come to him all shaky and wishy-washy like, Daddy, you know, I'm not really sure you can do this. Not only am I offended that you don't know my ability to help you, but I'm also offended that you've waited all this time to even ask. And so it's really important when we come to the Lord and we say, hey, God, I need you to do this thing. And I've been waiting for it for a long time. But I trust and I believe that you can, that we persist in that place of understanding and knowledge that God is able. Now, am I telling you that that's easy? No. Oh, my God, no. No, I'm not saying that that's easy. In fact, I'm telling you that that's difficult because it's difficult to wrap your mind around the fact that God can do something but is choosing not to for whatever reason. 
And oftentimes that reason, if not every time, that reason is actually for our good. God is not withholding that thing you need just because he wants to. There are reasons why he's withholding that thing. But just because he's withholding it or just because he hasn't brought it to fruition yet does not mean he's not capable. And so your mindset has to be like Jairus when he came to the Lord and he said, Lord, I know. I know that you're capable of touching my daughter. If you would just follow me. And without batting an eye, the Lord just says, yeah, let's go. Take me to her. And then the third thing we walked away with from, walked away with, um, from the last episode was um, after was, was taken from uh, the, the lady with the issue of blood. After Jesus touches her, um, the Bible says that he looks around and he's like, who touched me? Um, and then the disciples got attitudes like, you serious? You for real? In all this crowd, you want to ask that question? And then the Bible says that he looked for her who had done it. And the beautiful thing about that, what should be so comforting to us, is that God knows. Right? Because if that if that one sentence wasn't there, I think that you and I probably could conjecture that he knew. He knew who touched him. Um, because he's God, creator of the universe, Alpha and Omega. He knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. So he knows. So we could have conjectured that he he knew exactly who touched his garment. At the same time, though, by adding that one phrase, by Mark adding that one phrase, he turned around and he looked for her who had done it. It shows us. It shows us without any kind of doubt that Jesus knew exactly who touched him. And what does that say to you and me? God is not in heaven trying to figure it out. He is not twiddling his thumbs with 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 a pen trying to figure out how to end the beautiful story that is your life. No. He knows exactly what he's going to do. He knows exactly who needs to be introduced into your life. He knows exactly who needs to be removed. He knows exactly where you need to be, what state, what city, what town, what street, at what time. He knows all of it. And it is already planned. Because remember, Jeremiah 29, 11 says he's bringing us to an expected end. As in, it's expected, it's already written, it's already known. He does not have writer's block, painter's block, trying to figure out how to finish up the painting that is your life. That is not God. And that is not that is not your life at all. And so I want you to be assured that the same God who knew exactly who touched him in a throng of people, a sea of people, a multitude of people is the same God who knows exactly what your life is going to look like a year from now, two years from now, 10 years from now, two decades from now so be assured sweet love that God knows what he's doing so let's take it a little bit further the first last episode we read from verse 22 to verse 34 yes from verse 22 to verse 34 so now I want us to take it from 35 to the end just to Uh, about eight verses or so 35 to 43 so I want us to read it from 35 to 43 but again set the scene in your mind I know Hollywood mind right set the scene in your mind J. Iris comes is has heard 
that Jesus is coming off the boat. So he's standing on the shore. And the minute Jesus gets off the boat, he accosts him and talks to him about his daughter. And he said, well, maybe I shouldn't say across. That's a little violent. But I do think that he was like peeping him out, looking at the shore. And the minute his boat was in view and he saw a glimpse of Jesus, he went running. Right. Because his baby girl is on the verge of death, growing worse by the minute. And he's trying to get Jesus there before she dies. And so imagine that in your mind, a bunch of people around him, Jesus locks eyes with Jairus and he goes to him. Jairus does everything. He lays, he prostrates before the Lord. He says, please come. And Jesus starts to walk with him as he's walking though. Now, you know, they're walking to his house and, and imagine how giddy Jairus is on the one hand, sad and, and, and nervous, anxious, apprehensive about the fact that his baby girl is really at death's door, but also hopeful um, and, and joyous and, and grateful because Jesus has agreed to walk with him to his house and they're on their way to his house and out of nowhere, Jesus stops. Jesus stops and he turns around and he's like, somebody touched my clothes. Okay, and I know that in the in the in Mark chapter five, we Mark switches from J. Iris to the lady with the issue of blood. But I want you to stay in the mindset of J. Iris for this episode and begin to think what you would be thinking if, again, we are on the way to my baby girl who is dying, who is taking her last breaths on earth, and we are fully aware that this situation is going grimmer and growing grimmer and grimmer by the minute. She is minutes away from death, not not weeks or months, minutes. And it is clear to everybody. And this man comes out looking for Jesus and he does all the beautiful things that we talked about in the first episode. And now Jesus stops. We are on our way, probably pretty close. And Jesus stops in the middle of the road. And he turns around and he's like, who touched me? And now there's this whole ordeal around this woman who had an issue of blood, who Jairus has never seen. He could care less about this woman, right? Listen, I need you to get to my baby girl. She is about to die. And so I want you to think about yourself and think about how you would feel if Jesus in physical form had agreed to come into to your situation, to come to your home, to come to your car, to your job, whatever. Um, um, and then on the way there, something stops him. And now he spends the next however many minutes, 15, 20, maybe even an hour trying to figure out not only who touched him, but then saying a prayer over that person who touched him, saying a blessing over her, etc. Dealing with the disciples and their attitudes like you serious, you asking about this question, dealing with all that. And J. Iris is still there as a bystander saying to himself, hey, wait, wait, we came this way because I'm the one that came to get you. Right. I'm the one that came looking for you coming off the boat. I'm the one right that 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 said, come with me this way. And now someone else is interrupting. Do you remember that my baby girl is about to die? Do you remember that she's literally taking her last breath? Do you remember? Do you remember? And with that mindset, let's read the last couple verses of um, Mark chapter five. Starting from verse 35, while he was still speaking. So he just touched 
the lady with the issue of blood and and healed her and he just and he asked those questions where are you um and she you know came out and this that and the other um actually let's just go from verse 34 and he said to her daughter your faith your trust and confidence in me springing from faith in god has restored you to health go into peace and be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease okay so he just finished up with her and he told he tells her to go verse 35 while he was still speaking there came from the ruler's house who said to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why bother and distress the teacher any further? Verse 36, overhearing but ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, only keep on believing. And he permitted no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And when they arrived at the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he looked carefully and with understanding at the tumult of the people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had gone in, he said to them, Why do you make an uproar and weep? The little girl is not dead, but is sleeping. And they laughed and jeered at him, but he put them all out. And those who were with him, and those who were with him, he went in where the little girl was lying, verse 41, gripping her firmly by the hand. He said to her, Talitha Kumi, which translated is, Little girl, I say to you, arise from the sleep of death. And instantly the girl got up and started walking around, for she was 12 years old, and they were utterly astonished and overcome with amazement. And he strictly commanded and warned them that no one should know this. And he expressly told them to give her something to eat. Ugh, I love the Bible. Oh my gosh. He told her to give them, he told them to give her something to eat. And so again, go back to the scene in your mind. I'm the one that got you going this way. And now because you've delayed, now my baby girl is dead. While Jesus is still speaking the blessing over the woman with the issue of blood who has been cured and 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 relieved of her ailment the bible says while he was yet speaking his little girl died and someone comes to J. Iris and is just like you know what she's gone already leave the teacher alone let him do his thing out here don't keep bothering him you know leave him alone and I can just imagine what was going on in J. Iris's mind again. And this is where a lot of us find ourselves, right? Because we're in a waiting season and we're waiting for the Lord to do his thing. And we're waiting for the Lord to give us that promotion, to give us that new car, to help us buy a house, to bring our spouse, um, um, to bring our babies, to, to bless us in some kind of way. And we're waiting and we're waiting. And while you're waiting, everybody else seems to be getting touched except you, right? I'm the and 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 it's and, and and in certain cases it's even those ones where hey I'm the one telling you the things that I've done and now for you it has worked and I'm still waiting. If I was J. Iris, let me tell you something. The way I would be annoyed, the way out, of course, sadness, grief, depression, all that stuff is there because my baby girl is now gone. 
But now take that even further, like, Lord, seriously, for are you for real? I am the one who brought you this way. L old girl with the issue of blood wouldn't even have known where to come to get you if not for me bringing you this way. So now in my, well, I call it providence, serendipity, whatever the word is, in my bringing you this way, right? I've, I've helped someone else to get what they've needed. Someone who also has been waiting for 12 years. But in doing so, it now feels like that I have actually cost myself my miracle. And I want to talk to somebody who feels like that. Hey, I helped this person. Now she's getting married and I'm still waiting. I helped this person. Now she has a baby and now I'm still waiting. Or she's pregnant and I'm still waiting. I helped this person and now they have their car before I do and I'm still waiting. I helped this person get that promotion and I am still wallowing in the same place um, without my promotion. And I don't understand what you're doing, Lord. I don't get it. I don't get it. And now you see where J. Iris could possibly have been in this moment where he helped someone else or because of what he did, someone else was blessed and healed and he to his own detriment. Now his baby girl is gone. But I love God. I love Jesus because Jesus looks at him. The Bible says overhearing but ignoring. OMG. He heard that person come and say, you know what, baby girl is gone. Leave Jesus alone. And the Bible says that Jesus, overhearing but ignoring, said to the ruler, don't be, don't even let fear anywhere near your heart because I'm here. And as long as I'm here, there's always hope. Listen, let me say that to you. As long as you have Jesus, there is always hope. Even when they come to you and they tell you, yeah, it's dead. There's no chance anymore. It's gone. Your ovaries don't work. You are 48 years old. You can't get married anymore. So just go ahead and, 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 and be single for the rest of your life. It's dead. Right? Even, even when the world tells you it's dead, please have an understanding that Jesus overheard that but ignored it. And that's the example for us. Overhearing but ignoring, Jesus said, only believe. And that's number four. Overhear it but ignore it. The naysayers, what the world is telling you. There is no more chances for a promotion. Cool, overhear it but ignore it. There is no more chances for you to be um, a recipient of this scholarship. Overhear it, but ignore it. There are no more chances for you to matriculate into this program. The slots are full. Overhear it, but ignore it. And then number five, only believe. Listen, the only way to get through a waiting season is to believe. If you cannot believe, oh my goodness, you're, you're never going to be able to get through it. You have to believe. You have to be able to say, Lord, listen, I see all these things going on around me, but I believe you. Yes, Lord, they just said this and they just said that, but I believe you. I believe. 
I believe. And in those moments where belief starts to get shaky, be like that father of the little boy who was tormented by demons. And he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. So that you cover yourselves on, 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 on every side. Yes, Lord, I believe, but there's a part of me that's not believing. Help that part. Overhearing but ignoring, he said, don't worry about it. Just keep on believing. And then the Bible says, he permitted, he permitted no one to accompany him except He permitted no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John. Listen, in order for you to wait properly, do not have a bunch of naysayers around you. It won't work. It won't work. He permitted no one to accompany him except Accept. And, and if you read it well, you see that in verse 40, that's verse 37. And then in verse 40, he, he does it again. The Bible says, but he put them all out. These are people who are weeping and, 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 and laughing in some cases, laughing at Jesus' notion that this baby's just asleep. They're weeping um, at the notion that this baby is gone and gone forever. And so now on one hand, you see people who are mourning. And saying, oh my gosh, this baby's gone. You know, we had her for nine years, ten years. We had her for such a short period of time and now she's gone. And they're weeping and they're crying and they're rolling and they're mourning. And, and they're full of grief and, 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 and just every emotion that you can think of as, 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 a, as a little girl has left the earth. And because of what we know death to be, there's finality in their crying. They're not crying with hope. They're not crying tears of joy. They're crying because of the finality of this situation. We will never see her get married. We will never see her have babies. We will never see her finish school. We will never see her learn to ride a bike. We will never see her bake her first cake. We will never see her do this or that because she's gone. And even though there's compassion there, that's not what I need to be hearing in this moment. And so the Bible says in Jesus took permitted no one to come with him except and I'm telling you in order for you to wait properly get your accept who are your accept Peter James and John were Jesus's accepts who are yours the people who you know will have faith for you when there is no basis for faith the people who you know will speak life when there is no basis for life to be spoken. The people who you know, like seriously, will hold you down when there is no reason for you to be held down. The people that are going to hold your hands like Moses, like uh, her and Aaron held Moses' arms up in order to keep winning the battle of waiting. Who are your accepts? What number are we on? That's number seven. Your accepts. It's time to put people out. And I'm not saying ghost people because I don't believe that. I'm not saying, you know, just shut them down. But I am saying that maybe you don't need to be talking to everybody every day. Listen, today is not the day. My faith is a little shaky. I'm not answering Lydia's call because Lydia is not my accept. The only people I can talk to for the next three days are my accepts. 
my Peters, my Jameses, and my Johns. It's time for you to get picky with the people that you let into your situation. Just like Jesus, he permitted no one to accompany him except. Who are you permitting to accompany you in this season of waiting? And then Jesus looks and he's like, yeah, baby girl's not dead. She's asleep. And a lot of times we want to look at the Lord like, of course he could say that because, you know, it's God. But Jesus was seeing something that we couldn't see. Right? And, it's, and, 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 and the prayer every day in a waiting season really is, Lord, help me to see with your eyes and not my own. Because if I allow myself to see with my eyes, everything just looks bleak. Everything looks hopeless. Everything looks purposeless. Everything looks like, why am I even still here? I'm actually an idiot for still believing that it's possible. Right? That's, that's, what, that's what looking at the situation will say to you. And so Jesus comes in and he tells us, he addresses it straight up without mixing words. She is not dead. She's asleep. And he wasn't speaking from an angle of faith. He was speaking from an angle of fact. Because remember, he is Alpha and Omega. He has seen and known the end from the beginning. So he already saw this baby girl standing up, awake, talking, chatting, back to life. He already knew. But you and I, we look at our situations and we can't see the end yet. So it takes faith for us. And this is why in this moment, in this season of waiting, you have to be so connected to the Lord that you can hear him speak life into a situation that appears lifeless. J. Iris wasn't walking with the Lord at a distance. I don't believe that. I believe that J. Iris was walking very close to the Lord in those seasons, in this, in this moment. Do not follow him at a distance when you're waiting. In fact, do the exact opposite. Follow him so closely that you feel like you're stepping on his heels. Don't get ahead of him. Okay? I did say follow. You follow him. Don't make him follow you. It doesn't work. Follow him so closely that you share the same air. Right. If you were J. Iris, you would be right next to him so that not only do you see who touched the hem of his garment, you can actually point her out in the crowd. That's how close you're following Jesus, because in doing that, you can hear him say, don't listen to what they're saying. Keep believing in doing that. You can hear him say, put everybody out the room. I don't want nobody in here except Peter, James and John. And then he comes again and he does it again. Do not follow far follow closely so that you can hear his instructions so that when he says this is not the end this is actually just the beginning not only do you hear it but now you can believe what you heard and then the lord says talitha kumi which means little girl get up and this little girl gets up and she's reunited with her parents with her father with j iris um, and, and in a moment, J. Iris's agony and his waiting 
um, period comes to an end, right? And it's a beautiful thing because in spite of what looked like a setback, in spite of what looked like the Lord forgot about me and, and listened to someone else, in spite of all those things, everybody in this situation came out with exactly what they wanted. And that's something I want you to hold on to. Yes, the Lord did it for Susie before he did it for you. Yes, the Lord did it for Patrick before he did it for you. Yes, the Lord did it for Susanna before he did it for you. But please be encouraged because the kind of God we serve, no one is going to be left wanting. The lady with the issue of blood got what she needed. And so did this little girl. So did J. Iris. So did J. Iris' wife. Everybody in this situation got what they needed. So yes, maybe you're not first. Maybe you're not second. Maybe you're not even seventh. But you will get what you need because that's the kind of God that we serve. And the last thing I love about this scripture is the Lord's command at the end. And he strictly commanded and warned them that no one should know this. And he expressly told them to give her something to eat. So Talitha, we'll call her Talitha, even though that just means little girl. Talitha is raised up. She's resurrected from death. And the Lord's first command to the people around her is, feed this baby. And you would think like, well, Lord, I mean, can we hug on her first? Can we love on her? Can we, you know, show her around town? Can we, I don't know. I just want to think, I'm imagining, again, put yourself right there. If baby girl Talitha just got up, who's been sick for a while, you know, with some strange whatever, and she just got up. As her mother, would I be thinking she needs to eat? I don't think so. You know, as her aunt, as her uncle, as a friend of the family, would you be thinking, yeah, let's get this baby um, um, a happy meal? Like, seriously, no. uh -uh. We are overjoyed. We are dancing and screaming at the top of our lungs. And so obviously the Lord, knowing this, gives that command. Give this baby something to eat. And it makes me think, like, feed the thing that the Lord is resurrecting in your life so that it doesn't die again. Feed the thing that the Lord resurrects so that it doesn't die again. When your waiting season is over, you know, or maybe maybe it's not even going to be over right away, but maybe there's something, maybe hope is being resurrected, even in what I'm saying to you, even in my words. And I'm telling you, feed that thing. Feed it, because the likelihood that it could die again is so high. But because we are elated that something has been resurrected, something we've been looking for, waiting for, hoping for has now come, the likelihood that we will be so excited that we will ignore the delicacy of it, the, 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 the sensitivity of it is so high. And so the Lord instructs them in that moment. I know you're happy. And I know it's such a beautiful thing to be resu- to be reunited with your daughter who is now alive but was once dead. And you want to show her around town. And you want to prove to the people. And even if it's not like 
this kind of I told you so mentality, but you just want to show them, look, my baby girl that was dead is now alive. But in doing so, in showing her around town, listen, you are actually taking her closer and closer back to that point of death. So before you do all of that, feed her. Give her some water. Give her some bread. Give her some meat. Feed her. And in feeding her, not only do you actually help her to 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 get stronger, um, but you also help her to withstand the, the rigors of look and see what God has done. So before you do any of that, feed her. And I'm telling you, listen, when the Lord gives you a word and he reignites hope and he reignites faith in your life as you're waiting, or maybe even your waiting period is over because he's reignited something or resurrected something in your life. Let me say to you, please feed that thing. Because the quickness with which the Lord resurrected, it can also die. It can die just as quickly as it was resurrected. And so Jesus commands them to feed her. Feed it. Feed it. Before you do anything else, feed it. Right? Thank you, Lord, for this reignition of hope. Feed that hope. What does that look like? If it's a scripture, for example, that God has given you that has reignited your ability to wait and wait patiently, feed it as in now I'm going to meditate on it and I'm going to take a couple of days and I am going to think about and contemplate and write down and journal and pray over this word that has just been given to me that has resurrected my hope as opposed to now you know, possibly going on Facebook and creating um, a message, um, a story, a reel about how God did this thing. And now I know he's going to do it and this, that and the other. And it doesn't, again, you know, I don't want to make it seem like doing those things are necessarily bad. But if you don't feed what he's resurrected, it could die again. And feeding that thing is not necessarily telling the world that God has done this thing. Feeding that thing looks like making it bigger, making it stronger, so that in in the test of time, it withstands. Some of us want to display the plant before it becomes a tree. And on the one hand, there's merit there, right? Because again, even that's faith. Like, look at what the Lord is doing. At the same time, There are storms that a tree can withstand that a flower never can, never will be able to. And so navigating that properly is so important while you're waiting. And whether and while you're waiting and if you've just ended a wait period, because remember what I said, you go from one wait period to another. And so even here where J. Iris is no longer waiting for his daughter to be healed, in ending that, he, he, he walked into another one. Maybe he's waiting for her now to be married. He's waiting for her um, to grow. He's waiting for her to, um, I don't know, do her bat mitzvah or whatever. I don't know. But you end one waiting period and you literally walk into another one. And, and, and the Lord resurrecting something in your life is not just 
for this season. It's for several seasons. So feed what he resurrects so it doesn't die again. So in this episode, we talked about what? Don't be discouraged because other people look like they're being helped while you're being forgotten. Follow God closely enough that you can hear him say, don't worry about what they're saying. Keep believing. But then also only believe. Like literally believe what God is saying. Put people out because not everyone deserves or should be in your vicinity while you're believing God for something. So be empowered to put people out. And then when God says, this thing is not dead, it's just asleep, believe him and join your faith with his because he is going to resurrect that thing in your life that looks like it's dead. And when he does, feed it. Remember, all you need for life and godliness has been given. It's already given. It's already yours. It's already in you. I love you plenty.